This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Sunset Magazine has been a leader in Western gardening since its beginning over a hundred years ago. Since 1951, the magazine and their famed Laboratory for Western Living was located in Menlo Park, a suburb south of San Francisco. Since 2015, Sunset has made some big changes, moving their main offices into the city of Oakland's Jack London Square and reinventing their demonstration gardens at Cornerstone Sonoma. They have also taken on some fresh new growth in their staffing. Today, I'm joined by Joanna Silver, garden editor for Sunset. Joanna took the position from Western gardening garden icon, Kathy Brenzel, who held the position for over 40 years. Joanna is also the author of The Bold Dry Garden, Lessons from the Ruth Bancroft Garden, published by Timber Press in 2016. Welcome, Joanna. It's a pleasure to have you kick off the 2017 gardening year with us on Cultivating Place. My pleasure to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background. Where did you grow up and what were the earliest influences that brought you to your love of plants and gardens? I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and I have to tell you that I was not into plants when I was a kid. There actually is a picture of me with mud all over my face, (laughs) but beyond a love of being dirty, there wasn't really any gardening in my in my family. The turn for me happened in college when I traveled abroad and saw people farming all over the world and came home and wanted to do the same. And where did you go to college and where were you abroad? Um, I went to college at the University of Michigan and I studied abroad on a trip that went to five different countries uh, over two semesters. I was in England, India, the Philippines, New Zealand, and Mexico. And were you specifically studying agriculture or... We were specifically studying the effects of globalization. Mm -hmm. I sort of like to say how poor people suffer from environmental problems. It's a pretty dark trip, to be honest. Um, The program, the International Honors Program, had a trip about cities that was way more up my alley, but it was only one semester, and I wanted to be gone for two, so I went on this way more environmentally focused one, and it changed my life. Tell us a little bit about... Like what what you came home with in from such an experience as that? Sure. So I studied sociology in college, and so I was working on HIV/AIDS work, and I was teaching writing in a women's prison, and I always thought that I would just choose an you know an issue and run, and I'd work in nonprofits. And when I studied abroad and was in rural places for the first time in my life, and around agriculture for the first time in my life. Uh, I started to think that food might be the issue that could be the most important to me. I I realized that it's our main connection to our environment, to our health, to our culture, and that it could just have an influence into every realm of our life. So I came home and I found an internship on a suburban farm, part of the Denver Urban Gardens, Mm -hmm. a Delaney community farm, and it was the best summer of, of my life. Then what was the path that brought you to Sunset? That is, that is just, first of all, that's just an amazing story. Tell us a little bit about how you got from there to becoming the garden editor at Sunset this past spring. It was a meandering path for sure. I actually worked at Delaney for two seasons and then moved to California 
to work at Slide Ranch in Marin County, this sort of agriculturally based environmental ed center. And from there, I was a school garden teacher at the Hayward School District, and then did a year of PR in like a green little PR shop. And when they laid us all off, I had, you know, a couple thousand dollars in severance, and I was still in my early 20s. And I traveled in Asia and just sort of decided that it was on a trek, and I just decided, you know, any job's going to have parts of it that I don't like, but I got to move towards my bliss and my bliss is being outside. And so I declared that I wanted to be a gardener. <laughs> and, you know, my parents had heard me declare so many things and they're like, okay, she wants to be a gardener. And I actually found the sunset job, a test garden coordinator, um, which is basically a glorified maintenance gardener for the magazine. And it was um, a contract position. And I applied while I was abroad and came home and had that and held that contract position for three and a half years, which was great, allowed me to take classes at um, City College in both editing and plant ID and fill in some gaps in my knowledge and um, eventually came onto the editorial team in Sunset and then, yeah, took the reins from Kathy Brenzel last February as garden editor. Wow, that is a great meandering path. Sometimes the <laughs> universe knows exactly how to get us where we want to be, which I always love when the people I'm interviewing have stories like that. And you'd be amazed at how many people do, which is great. So you 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 mentioned this taking the reins from Kathy Brenzel. And for anybody that is familiar with the long history of Sunset Magazine and its strong force in Western gardening. Kathy, of course, was the garden editor for like 40 years. And yeah. so under uh, that seems like a fantastic apprenticeship and practicum for learning what you are now doing. And you came on in February of 2016. And under your direction, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing some groundwork had been laid, but Sunset's main headquarters also moved during this this time period for the first time in 65 years or something from Menlo Park to the main offices are now in Oakland. And under your leadership, the new demonstration and test gardens have opened at Cornerstone Sonoma. Talk about that whole process and the opening of the gardens in May. Sure. The, when, when Time, Inc. announced that they were going to sell our campus, um, we were all pretty devastated. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned about us having a garden because I feel that that's really helped Sunset's authenticity throughout the years, not to mention my personal life, just being able to run outside and drag art directors out there and I mean garden right outside the door. So I fought pretty hard and made it clear that we needed a garden going forward. And so our new office is in Jack London Square, and it's totally swank, really modern. I love it, to be honest. There were winners and losers with the commute. I was a winner, so you won't hear much griping from me. (laughs) And then Cornerstone, in the last couple years, got new owners in Sonoma, and they, they were trying to breathe some life into that space. And they knew that we had lost our campus and they reached out to our management and proposed proposed moving the whole brand up there. But as it turned out, we just moved the garden up there. So they gave us about five garden spaces and we built five different gardens. And I've never gotten so much credit for something that, to be honest, I've done so little on. (laughs) 
I really owe, I shouldn't admit that, but I really owe everything to Stephanie and Alethea, Stephanie Bittner and Alethea Rampolis of Homestead Design Collective. They are, I'd worked with them both in in a sunset type of situation where they built a show garden for an event, and so they sort of knew how sunset works. And I also covered Stephanie's gardens. So, you know, we I just know her on different levels and turned to her to um, handle the design and really the install, and I owe everything to her. Well, it is a beautiful space, and I have now visited a couple of times and wandered around and explored. Stephanie has been a guest on Cultivating Place, and Alethea has also been. Um, Stephanie for Homestead Design Collective and Alethea for Studio Chew. But mm-hmm. you can definitely see their personality in these garden spaces. For listeners who might not be familiar, Cornerstone Sonoma is this innovative destination display gardens and they've been consistent over the past maybe 10 years since they first went in and they have sort of innovative garden designs that were individual but all together in this large space so that's what you are talking about when you say that Sunset then took over five of these spaces. When you go visit now, and they are open to the public free of charge every day from 10 to 4, I believe, and there is ample parking, and there is fantastic signage. So that kudos to all three of you for for that because it's very clear where to go and what you're looking at. Describe how the layout has eventually come to be and the different gardens that are there. Absolutely. So we have a ligustrum hedge that frames four of the five gardens. And we left that there partly because we had a time crunch of installing these gardens and partly because we liked the idea of having these separate garden rooms. So what Stephanie did is widen the opening for these hedges because the gardens, as they were, really only seemed to want to have one person move through at a time. And anticipating that we wanted to be more welcoming, their design team decided to open them up. The first garden we call, they each have a name, and the first is the farm. And that one has eight raised beds that are quite tall, two and a half, three feet tall, Mm -hmm. and um, a row of terra trellises, which are crafted by a metal artist, Jennifer Asher, out of Los Angeles. They're walk-through arches. They kind of look like little moon gates, but sort of simple. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We had one in our old test garden. We had a bright orange one. It's called the Gracie Arbor. And Jennifer made a whole bunch more for us for this garden. So we have a whole row of them. And they're wider and taller to be ADA compliant, which we were really proud of. And they lead to the focal point, which is a greenhouse, which is a glass, a single pane of glass greenhouse made by a company called um, Northwest Green Panels out of Bend, Oregon. The raised beds change. We had them all planted up for summer. Each one was a different theme. We had a bed of edible flowers. We had natural dye. We had, you know, all sorts of different things. And then it has a, the border is just all herbs, Um, common, unheard of, rare, just herbs, 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 herbs. That, That room also has two trial beds where we play with the Sunset Western Garden collection and they're two just kind of smashingly different plant color palettes 
of, of our trial beds and, of course, compost, a big three-bin composting system. Mm-hmm. And that is the first room. And let me just clarify that the Sunset Western Garden Collection are plants that are putting being researched, trialed, and put into production by the Sunset team. Exactly. Okay. We work with um, a, a horticulturalist named Janet Sluice out of Berkeley, and she curates the plants for us, with us, with our input. And at this point, they are all available at independent nurseries. If yours doesn't carry them, you can ask that they please do. And it's a really great collection of plants, low water and low maintenance and evergreen. So, you know, plants that hold color and structure year round in the garden, which is kind of what we mean when we talk about a low-maintenance garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really reflecting how California gardeners want to garden. There will be lots of pictures of the whole garden and the different rooms on the website. From the farm, what is your next obvious room to move to? From the farm, we moved to the orchard. And the orchard is sort of mimicking what might be a small, urban, suburban orchard area. Exactly. The orchard has... I believe 24 separate varieties of fruit trees, all selected by Phil Purcell of Dave Wilson Nursery. They're the largest grower of fruit and nut trees in the country, both commercially and for the backyard Mm -hmm. orchardist. And Phil is great. He's a character. And we worked with him to choose the best ones. And it's a succession planting from early season apricots to late season apples. So it will bloom and ripen in succession. Mm-hmm. We are keeping them so that harvest is within hand height. So unfortunately, it has made it much more accessible for the public mm. to eat the fruit. But that's okay. <laughs> the underplanting of the orchard is small but mighty. It's only got like four or five plants. Crazy, insane, beautiful seasonality. The verbena benariensis kicks things off in spring and summer. And then Pink Muley finishes it up in Mm. fall. That garden's been just a spectacularly dynamic garden. I'm pretty in love with it. And that understory is really modeling this technique of keeping the ground covered, attracting pollinators. You know, it's it's a sustainability as well as an aesthetic technique. Absolutely. We don't have any bare soil, I don't think, in that whole garden. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Today, we're speaking with Joanna Silver, garden editor of Sunset Magazine. She joined the Sunset team in February of 2016, taking over for Kathy Brinzel, who held the position for 40 years. We'll be back after a break to hear more about Sunset's beautiful and welcoming new demonstration gardens at Cornerstone Sonoma. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. This week, we're speaking with Joanna Silver, garden editor for Sunset Magazine. We're just back after a break to hear more about Sunset's new display gardens at Cornerstone Sonoma. The gardens are open to the public free of charge, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. daily. From the Backyard Orchard, where next? From the backyard orchard, we move to the gathering space. Our take on an outdoor living room, Sunset, the magazine of outdoor living. We just need a place to live the good life, eat outside, drink outside. As dynamic as the orchard is, the gathering space really stays static. And again, it's a a place where we're highlighting the Sunset Western Garden collection and show it off with friends, be it 
succulents, agave specimen. There's a gorgeous melianthus in there that plays with some texture. We had a dinner party photo shoot there just a few weeks ago, and it looks just stunning year-round. And there are a few edibles. This is where you see Stephanie's personality in this room because she is all about gardening for harvest. She snuck three edible plants in there. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, so there are fruiting olives. We have our chef's choice rosemary from the Mm. collection. And there's also a variegated lavender called Mirlot, Mm. also in the collection. And it is a beautiful space. I went in the middle of the day and you really did just, you kind of wanted to sit down with your like morning coffee or your afternoon glass of wine and just relax there. It was very peaceful. And I agree. And we have a beautiful table on loan from Artifact, one of the tenants at Cornerstone, just a really upscale picnic table. It doesn't really do justice to call it a picnic table. (laughs) And, you know, people are welcome to sit there. I've seen families have their picnics up there and enjoy it. And then the flower room. Right. So the flower room is where you see Alethea's personality. So we have three raised beds, this time in Core 10. Mm. So this was just an opportunity for a different look. Um, So the three beds in, in L shapes, feature focal flowers in one of them, secondary flowers or what Alethea calls her bits in the second one, and then foliage in the third. And the in-ground planting has a mix of all three. And um, we worked with the folks at David Austin Roses in England to hand select the varieties most appropriate for the Sonoma climate. And, you know, classic underplanting of catmint, And so parts of it are classic and then parts of it are really, really whimsical. We have, you know, it's a goal to grow flowering vines up each of the hedges. Mm. So one side has this peppermint geranium that's like taking over the ligustrum. (laughs) There's a clematis on one side that's weaving its way through. There's jasmine. Um, We had sweet peas last spring. So it's really, really playful. Things are planted uncomfortably densely for me. But that is for a steady harvest. And we actually missed one room that's not in that conjoined foursome. Mm-hmm. There's, the co- there's the cocktail garden. Oh, right. faces the farm. Yeah. The cocktail garden is simple. It has a terra trellis in line with the others from the farm. Mm-hmm. But this one has hops growing up and over it. Everything in this garden is to mix, muddle, or garnish your cocktail. So the in-ground plantings are bay laurel and pineapple guava and lavender. And then it has containers of specialty citrus and mint and then a few succulents just because they're good looking. Hmm. It is a really remarkable garden. It was put in and opened up to the public just one year ago, basically. So when were you doing your actual installation? It was March and April. You know, really serious design, January and February. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of work. And things are looking very mature already, so you clearly put in some fairly well-established plants. You had a big celebration opening weekend last May of 2016, and you have another one planned in May of this year. What will that be like? So next year's celebration weekend is May 20th and 21st, and we are just we are just planning it now. So I think there will be some new attractions, mm-hmm. probably in the home space. I think there are some plans in the works dealing with smart homes and things like that. I've heard rumors of all sorts of things, so I shouldn't spread them. But the okay. gardens will be replanted, uh, at least the parts that need to be, like spring, you know, spring and summer vegetables, mm-hmm. 
When you mentioned the home space, there is outside of these gardens we've just described, there is this also this really fabulous over-the-top outdoor kitchen area where demonstrations have gone on over the past year and uh, demonstrations and workshops and events in the gardens for people to come and interact and learn more. If you, as garden editor, had three things you'd like to see garden visitors take home from these new display gardens, plants, techniques, design concepts, what might those be? And it could be just the things that you love the most or are most drawn by yourself in the gardens. First of all, I would love there to be a place to sell plants Mm. on Cornerstone just directly, whether it's through Sunset or a different vendor there. And I think those plans are in the work, but I think it would be great for the public to be able to walk through the gardens, get inspired, and then take some of those plants home. This year, I've been really inspired by herb borders and just by incorporating more unusual herbs. And, you know, in a 10-foot planting, you know, the left is going off for a while and then the right is for a while. And it's just been this really beautiful flow in the farm. Um, Tangerine sage was new to me. It's sort of like pineapple sage, but only knee high. So I think gardening more with, with herbs. And I think if I had to choose a third thing, it would just be for people to continue to feel comfortable and empowered to garden through drought, because I think it's actually, you know, really important and wildlife and insects depend more and more on smart urban and suburban gardens, you know, and so long as you don't have a lawn and are adding more lawn, it's actually really healthy and sustainable to be gardening and having food and habitat for other creatures trying to survive. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. And I think a couple of things that you just said bring up for me some of the things that I was I'm very impressed by in the gardens. And one is um, you mentioned that the tangerine sage is a little bit smaller than the pineapple sage. Mm -hmm. And that seems true of many of the plants that have been chosen and are being highlighted is that and I think this was is being taken in stride, it seems, by Sunset and all of the staff that this reinvention of moving into a more urban area, taking up a little bit less of a footprint, you are smaller in scale, but just as big in kind of impact on both harvest for the home and benefit to the wildlife and whatever the urban and, you know, wildlife environment might be. Absolutely. Just one more note on that. Yeah. We- there's a native pipevine swallowtail, and we've reincorporated the pipevine back into the garden mm. to give that butterfly more habitat, and that's been exciting to watch that take off. Yeah. Did you get a, a flight? Did you get eggs laid on it this year? Did I you? didn't see any, but some of the Cornerstone staff did. Okay, good. That's always that is a fun, fun cycle to see. The and then you mentioned the water and the importance of gardening through drought. Are there demonstration sort of irrigation plans in place for for going forward? So we have everything on a drip system that attaches to the cornerstone well, and we don't have anything in the the works. But I'll tell you. Um, Kate Fry and her part, her business partner are launching something called the American Garden School. And it's going to be classes that take place at Cornerstone mm-hmm. as well as the shed. And I know that they have some in the works planned about irrigation specifically. 
And we'll find out more about that through Sunset Online and, and the magazine. Absolutely. Oh, great. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So finally, just to end, you know, you've you've walked into this very illustrious and admirable garden path where great names came before you. What do you personally think is important still or or maybe even more so about public gardens and public outreach like Sunset offers? Why, in what ways do you see them as continuing to be or actually increasing in relevance and importance? Well, I'll tell you, the public garden world is brand new to me. You know, though we had test gardens before that, you know, were open to the public, it was by no means a public garden. So I am having a crash course, actually, in what it means to really be responsible for a public garden. Um, I can say that the need for well-informed information dissemination is more important than ever, as everybody is sort of a content machine. Um, I take a lot of pride in making sure that everything that we're putting out there has been tested and is appropriate, you know, regionally and empowers people to um, to take responsible steps with their yard or containers or balcony or whatever it might be to keep them filled with ideas. Yeah. With almost one year under your belt, what are you most looking forward to in the garden and in the magazine in the coming year? You know, I'm really still getting used to not having a garden right outside our door. What is the commute, by the way? So the commute for me is about 50 minutes to um, to Cornerstone. Right, from so office about once to a week. Okay. Right, or from my home. So once a week I'll go up there instead of coming into Jack London Square. And I miss having a garden right outside. And so I'm looking forward to continuing to keep up my weekly visits. I'll be there next week um, to plant bulbs, and I'm just really excited to have my hands in the dirt and to see what we can generate in another year of gardening because this year was so, so, so successful. Mm. Um, And in terms of the magazine, I don't think I can give anything away yet. (laughs) We have a lot of of good stuff in the works, Um, a lot to come. Well, thank you very much for being with us. It's been a pleasure, and I look forward to what you will bring out both on the pages of the magazine and in the garden rooms at the new display gardens. It's been, it seems like it's been a great year for you, and I have enjoyed everything I've seen, so keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Joanna Silver, thank you so much for joining us. Joanna Silver is garden editor for Sunset Magazine. She is also author of The Bold Dry Garden, Lessons from the Ruth Bancroft Garden, published by Timber Press in 2016. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is produced by Sarah Bohannon. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit MyNSPR.org. For more information, including many photos, please visit JewelGarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.